Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? Musk. Um, overtime versus working on weekend? Neither. When you're uh, giving somebody a job and you have option to choose between MBA or a hustler, which one would you choose? Um, I don't care. It boils down to personality and if that person fits with the rest of the team. Read a book or listen to the podcast? Personally, I always read a book because I'm a visual person, not an audio person. So I have to see the words in order to, to really grasp it. And tell me, uh, down to, let's say, your two favorite books. I love Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander oh. Dumas. And um, if I may choose something that is not necessarily a book, but a comic book... <laughs> My favorite. That's is new. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Modesty Blaze by Peter O'Donnell. If you can choose only one word, what is your biggest motivation? Challenge. Most important personal trait in business. Well, the first thing that sprung to my mind was patience. So, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, I, I think. No, passion. This is Chair, place where we discuss innovations. And today I have a great pleasure to welcome Heidi Chen. As one regional magazine has stated, leading woman in creation IT. She's a co-founder and CEO at AIRT, right? Uh, Vice, Pre- Vice President of Crow AI, uh, AI Association of Croatia, and from uh, recently president of Crow Startup, part of European Startup Network, right? So, Heidi, welcome to chair. Thank you for having me. So, we are going to talk today mostly about Croatian and overall Southeast Europe startup ecosystem, uh, what we have, what we lack, things like that. So, let's start with the perspective, uh, with your perspective, where does uh, uh, this ecosystem stands today. Let's go from Croatia. Well, if you look at Croatian startup scene or tech scene in, in general, we've already, always known that we have exceptional talent, that we have very smart people, not just in Croatia, I mean in, in, in the region. And predominantly that talent went abroad to work for some big tech companies. And then something started happening like not even two years ago, um, there a huge shift occurred, and suddenly we have a momentum of that scene. Uh, it started <coughs> with uh, Croatia getting its first unicorn with Infobip, that was um, that create became a unicorn. I think a year and a half ago, something, or like, that, something yeah. like that. Uh, in the meantime, we also got a second unicorn with Rimac Automobili, so the guy who managed to make uh, world's fastest electric car from Croatia, which is kind of crazy if, if you look at it. And then we started getting news about a number of other companies, other startups that 
were simply, you know, uh, getting their spotlight in the mainstream media because of all of their successes, whether it was um, crazy exits of $150 million or crazy investments in them, again, tens of millions of dollars, joint ventures with large international brands, uh, getting clients growing um, uh, rapidly around the world. And then we realized that, unfortunately, they were living their overnight successes, you know, with those nights lasting for 5, 10, 15 years. But now they finally got to celebrate those successes. But all those successes weren't really a result of the fostering ecosystem. It was more despite it. They didn't succeed because they are startups that started in Croatia, they had to fight their way, you know, and, and manage to really become those huge successes that we are so proud of today. So if we look at the ecosystem as such, we don't really have a good startup ecosystem. And that is one of the things that we are really working on changing now. Because, okay, the community as such is very good at, at self-organizing. It's very good at supporting. And that's one of the beauty of of this community and sometimes I, I feel as if we live in a bubble you know because everyone's so supportive of each other everyone's actually celebrating others successes because that means that if someone else has succeeded that means I can do it too and yeah. uh, unfortunately the mindset of the region is not necessarily in that way um, but if we really want to, you know, get more and more of such stories and really encourage even younger people, but not necessarily just younger people, but also people who have maybe worked for years in a corporation and would like to start their own business. If you want to encourage them to really go ahead and start, then we really have to build an ecosystem. And that is something that we are lacking in Croatia, but I also dare say in the rest of the region as well. And uh, with that in mind, what would you say are the biggest challenges to create that kind of ecosystem? What kind of support, what kind of support you need, let's say, from European Union? Well, um, European Union, when it comes to Croatia, can help on a lot of things because you know when the EU <clears throat> creates and brings a directive, then kind of a member countries are obliged to follow it. So if we can have the top-down approach from the EU, then it will help us to go the other way around, you know, from our <clears throat> national um, bottom-up um, initiatives. And there are a lot of things that need to happen in order to really improve the startup ecosystems. But uh, in my personal opinion, the, the most important ones are connected to the regulation and legislation. Because if we look at the really countries and areas that are very good, that are really, that have a huge number of startups, that have a huge number of unicorns, and when it, we're talking about Europe, we're talking about UK predominantly, or we also know that a lot of startups go from Europe to the US. So there, one of the biggest things and issues that we have is ease of opening and closing the company, you know, because with startups, it's expected that many will fail. But, you know, when you fail, you need to be able okay to, to fail, close. Yeah. yeah, but you need to be able to close that business so you can start anew, you know, and not have the tails behind you for 
ages because of the administration and bureaucracy. Uh, then, you know, um, issuing and transferring shares of the company needs also to be something that is very simple to do, which is not at the moment. Uh, we need to have tax benefits and tax incentives for the investors in the companies because, again, startups are uh, pretty specific because they usually request some alternate uh, ways of financing at the beginning because they're not creating revenue from the start very often. They have a lot of investment into creating, the researching and development, developing the product and solution that they will bring to the market and start selling at some point later on. And when you have, I mean, when you still don't have anything tangible, it's very difficult to get, for example, a loan from the bank. No bank will give you a loan. So you need angel investors, you need VC funds, but it, it has to also be very um, beneficial for them to invest and to mitigate the risk as well. So um, if we look again at the UK, they've managed to solve that problem with their investment schemes. You have seed and, uh, enterprise investment scheme and enterprise investment scheme where they're really offering tax benefits for those investors who invest in startups, especially with the SEIS in those in the earliest stages. But those tax benefits are actually given back to the, you know, to the budget almost right away. Because if you look, what is it the startups spend their money on? It's predominantly on salaries on people. And, you know, with all our high contribution on salaries in this area, again, it goes back in the budget. And the last thing that is also very, very important that doesn't exist is employee stock option because talent is scarce at the moment and you need to you know, attract and retain the best people for your startups. And the best motivation for it is if they can own a share of your company. And at the moment with how it is in our countries, you can do it, but basically it's not beneficial for them. You know, at the end, they would probably have to pay more taxes than what they would uh, own in the value and in the shares of the company. So those are, you know, just few things that are reliant on the regulation and legislation that need to be changed so that we can really, you know, make a big difference and keep our startups here and not send them away to where they can get that. So that's the situation, basically, what you have there in Croatia. And what about, let's talk about region. And uh, um, I'm sure that uh, different countries here in the region, Croatia, Serbia, uh, Slovenia, uh, or just leave it for the Southeast Europe, uh, Greece, and so on. Uh, uh, is there a right collaboration between those countries and ecosystem in those countries? I don't think we have any systemic collaboration. I mean, there are talks and everyone's always open to it. You know, okay, it would be great if we could collaborate because, again, if, we're, if we join forces and we work together, it's going to be better for all of us. But um, it's, in my knowledge, I do not know that we have any specific actions and interactions between the ecosystems even even on the level of startup associations. Again, to be fair, we've just formed a startup association in Croatia, so it's not like we could have communicated. That, that's very interesting. <laughs> Basically, I, I know here in Serbia, 
there is a, there was a long long time there was a startup organization and now they're fragmenting to different you know niches and with creation it was different you basically had niches and now you move to create a, a, a overall startup yeah. Uh, uh, association. Yeah, it, it, it is funny because we really, we do have a number of associations and initiatives, whether it's based on technology. So, for example, we have Croatian AI Association that is focused on, around AI, or we have CSEX, which is Croatian uh, Independent Software Exporters Association. Uh, we have a number of local and regional initiatives. So, you know, a, a number of various organizations that, to be fair, were very well communicating with each other. So maybe that was the reason why we didn't have a national startup association. There was no actual need. It worked that way. because we, we did have several initiatives, for example, uh, tax incentives for uh, angel investors was a joint initiative of several of the organizations. So in that way, it's like we're a, a tight-knit community and everyone knows everyone. So it kind of we didn't even think of it before until we realized that maybe we should have like an umbrella organization that is focused on startups, regardless of the technology, regardless of the industry, regardless of the location, and enable better communication and coordination of all those uh, associations that already exist. And how, hypothetically, how would you approach uh, 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 this ecosystem on the larger scale to enhance collaboration and cooperation between ecosystems in in different countries here in region? Uh, well, first we would have to sit down and talk <laughs> and see. Start from, what, from basics, start, right? Start from scratch and figure out, you know, where we stand in each of the countries. Um, so, for example, from kind of my uh, viewpoint, I have a feeling that, for example, Serbia is much stronger in blockchain when it comes to technology and Croatia is maybe when it comes to startups, that there are many more AI startups than in Serbia. So maybe there is some sort of, you know, cross collaboration there. Um, one of the things that we definitely want to uh, focus on in with Cross Startup is getting the corporations on board as well and have them open doors for the startups to, you know, whether by saying, okay, guys, we have a problem. Are there startups who can help us solve it? Do you have something that you're developing so that we don't have to? uh, Corporations that can also open door to other companies. But also one of the beauties of Corporations usually here is that many of them have offices in different countries as well. So kind of open door in for different markets as well. And I'm sure there are many, many other ways, but we would have to just we'll sit down and, and brainstorm <laughs> what are the possibilities, because I'm sure there are so many. You mentioned AI, and of course, I'm going to... to uh, uh, touch base on that what your company do and how you um, how you basically started with AI but before we come to that your uh, uh, career path it's pretty <laughs> what word to use 
Accidental. Accidental. Okay, you use it, not, not myself. But okay, let's go with that. Uh, um, why? Why was it accidental? And how you? How you? How you approach your career in that sense that you can shift it uh, in many ways, many times, and that easily, and be successful every time. Oh, I do think it has something to do a little bit with the personality. So I'm one of those people who still doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up. You know, I simply have so many interests and it's very difficult for me to choose one thing and stick with it for a very long time and really become uh, an expert in it. Um, I come to a point where okay, I, I know enough about the subject, I can be very relevant at it, I can handle, uh, handle the subject. But if it's no longer kind of challenging for me, then if I don't feel there is any more growth, even personal growth in, in the field, then it's kind of a time to move on. And when I say accidental, I mean, yeah, I do sometimes feel that my life is like a series of accidental events because none of the uh, industries and none of the companies that I worked for, or even this was something that I planned to do. That it was something that I knew I wanted to do and I was, you know, going towards it kind of happened uh, along the way. So, yeah, I started uh, working in a media company and I got that job. Actually, I was choosing between the media company at KPMG at the time. So as you can see, again, very similar <laughs> companies. Very. Not. Um, then after that, I ended up going to the digital world, so digital agency, um, where I met my current co-founder uh, and um, my business partner, Davor, with whom I have now this uh, startup in the Ert. Uh, he is the tech guy <laughs> in this business relationship. So um, it was him that really kind of at some point during the previous company figured out and realized that AI is something that is going to be the hot topic in the upcoming periods. And we started dabbling with it. And then after a certain period of time realized, okay, we really want to focus on that as well. So sold the, the company before, did the exit basically, and started this new venture. And what the product actually is, what you guys do now? So it's a platform that's using the innovative deep learning techniques uh, to help other companies profile better their end customers and by better profiling to predict their next actions. And when you can do that, then it's much easier to really react proactively and instead of reactively, because if you can predict what the, the person will do next, then you understand that person's needs much better and you can offer whatever product or service or whatever your, as your company, uh, whatever you offer, you can offer it to your clients, but to those clients who really need it at the point of time that they really need it. And you can communicate with them through a channel that they're really using. And again, simply 
improve the, the communication with them and interaction with them. And uh, when I say innovative deep learning techniques, like we literally innovated techniques that were inspired by the NLP, so natural language processing, but we apply them to structured data and are getting much better res results. Uh, and we've even applied for a patent protection for cool. those techniques. So it's kind of interesting. And the entire idea of the platform is really to help companies implement AI because that's one of the biggest pain points at the moment. It's implementation of really AI techniques and tools within the organization. So to really help them implement it very quickly and painlessly and to see results uh, like in a matter of days and not, you know, months and months as it is. So you're basically becoming like a SaaS tool, right? Yeah. And uh, where where you are right now in the, on this path? Uh, so uh, we're slowly uh, exiting the the beta uh, stage because one of the real important things about this is that the technology works, that you deliver what you've promised. And it's very easy to promise someone that they can uh, improve their sales much more, improve their <clears throat> conversions because they'll be targeting much better who to offer the product or solution to. But you have to really deliver what you've promised. So. Uh, we've really focused a lot of uh, building the technology that can be robust, that can be scalable, that can be automated as well in order to get to that fast implementation and fast delivery. So we're exiting the beta stage now because we worked with a few select clients to really build the technology. And now we're slowly going out into the real world. And at the beginning, I asked asked you what what is innovation to you. What what does it mean? And um, I want. And you said the, that you guys innovated to create this platform. Uh, can you give me a glimpse of your innovation process? How you do it? From where you started and uh, to come. Uh, where are you right now? Well, I, I, I dare say it was an iterative process. You, know, you start with something, then you realize that existing techniques are not really the best. And then you see, oh, this other area is working great. What did they do to become so much better in a short period of time? Because I, I'm sure you've noticed that uh, they're really leaps and bounds when it comes to processing of language. And if we just look at Google Translate, which a few years back, I think we were all, all laughing at those translations. And it use was it a, joke a joke to say, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, you must have used Google Translate. But today, if you use it, well, you know, it's really good. And I use it almost every day because sometimes it creates uh, sentences better than I do you know, in, in, in different languages. Um, so something happened there, and we decided to see what is it that happened. Realized that they have implemented completely new approach to processing the language, and we said, okay, can we do the same thing, but on this type of data? So we're not dealing with language whatsoever, we're dealing with structured data, with tables, if you want it like that. Um, we tried it, and it's working. You know, so we realized that, okay, we've innovated something that is 
a bit of an adaptation of what existed already, but we've used it on a completely different area and it's innovation in that new area. So, um, while we're still on this subject of AI and um, in the field that you are doing of processional data, what do you think is future of that field? What's the next big thing there? Well, it's difficult to say because there's still so much to do on where we are now. And uh, a lot of things that is going to be worked on is uh, automation of, of the processes and sp so speed of implementation and automation. Because um, we have, like, we're dealing with a huge number of, sort of transactional type of data. It can be literally transactions, but it can be any interaction that company has with its end customers. So even if, for example, you have a mobile app, then you're logging the interaction your end client has with your mobile app, you know, what he or she is doing over a period of time. Um, but if you really want to succeed and compete in the market, you have to act fast. You know, you have to act almost in real time. And in order to have quick reaction, you need automation of everything, of the processing of that type of data. And I think that is something that is going to be a like, huge focus on. And in the future, God, God, who knows? You know, I don't have a crystal ball, do you? <laughs> I don't, but sometimes I like to ask my guests if they have so. Um, yeah, not yet, sorry. <laughs> usually, usually I finish the show with, with a future question, but for you I have another one. And it's a bit a personal one because I always uh, uh, do a bit of investigation of my guests here. <laughs> and uh, what was very interesting for me that you're uh, uh, in one very specific sport. And it's <laughs> called, let me just say this right, high heel dancing, right? <laughs> so we talked about your career, we talked about AI, we talked about startup community in, in Croatia and the region, but what the hell is high heel dancing and how come that you started doing this? Well, it's not sport per se, it's more of a hobby, you know, <laughs> recreation. It's, um, again, I started it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Again, as, as we as we mentioned, yeah, because uh, a friend of mine who's professionally really dancing um, wanted to try it out, and there was a period of time where she actually had time to to do it, but she didn't want to go alone. So she asked me if I'd like to join her. So I did, and um, it was a very interesting and um, a challenging experience. <laughs> That's why you enjoyed it, actually, right? I think so. I think so. Because um, last time I really danced and learned choreography was back in 1997. So it was a while ago. And this had an additional edge to it because um, when you're really dancing in heels, and I'm talking high heels, uh, but not in a way that you know, you're dancing in a club and just going around and it doesn't have any structure when you have a choreography that you have to follow that you have to learn first and then that you have to follow and really make sure that you do the moves uh, in a controlled way um, and when you have the additional element of doing it in heels 
it's it's interesting it's very creative and it's very challenging uh, but it's really fun so as i said have to try something new and and have fun doing it cool Heidi, thank you so much for this i enjoyed this conversation it was a bit unconventional we <laughs> went different ways but uh, in different areas but uh, very interesting thank you so much Thank you again for inviting me. And for you out there, next Thursday, next innovation talk and uh, subscribe, of course.